I want to encourage you to keep Brother Jester in prayer this week. As the Lord continues to work on him, heal him, he and Sister Jester could always, we all could always use the prayers of the body, but at this time, this season that they're going through, let's remember to lift them up. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 4. So in this passage, just to give you an idea of what's happening here, Jesus is out in the wilderness being tempted of the devil at the early stages of this chapter. And we're going to start reading at verse 14, jumping down through this. And after that temptation in the wilderness, and then he, it says he goes on to a few countries and he preaches and proclaims the gospel. Verse 14 And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. There he went out, there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Now, this is the passage I want us to read and see what happens here. Because he went from the wilderness to Galilee and taught in their synagogues. It says his fame was spread. So he, he got a name for himself as being this great teacher. And then he goes to Nazareth, verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, I want to draw a distinction here. As his custom was, he stood up. To read. So he's in Nazareth in the synagogue, and he was, I'll put it this way, acknowledged as a man of God in Nazareth, just like he was in Galilee and the other synagogues where he taught. So it's not that this is the first time he was ever allowed to speak, so to speak, in in Nazareth at this place. Okay, but something is special about this day, and we'll see it as we read through here what transpires. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, that's Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, this is Jesus quoting Isaiah the prophet, okay? He's reading from the book of Isaiah. So when he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's just quoting Isaiah the prophet. Verse 18 again, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Nothing out of the ordinary or out of the custom about 
just that setting that we read. Because it says, as it was his custom, he got up to, to speak and he read a scripture. Now, what happens next is where the custom part of it kind of stops. Because it says, he closed the book, gave it again to the minister, and sat down. That's all he did was he stood up and he read scripture and he gave the book back and he went and sat down. The eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. I don't know, and I'm going to just take a minute to try and, as much as I don't like to do this about the Bible, speculate a little bit. Because we don't read very many passages in scripture where Jesus just reads from the Old Testament and then goes and sits down, right? That's not his, his usual method of teaching or ministry. You know, at this point, he had already, as it said, fame was spreading about him. They knew that he was a teacher, a well-known teacher in all of these synagogues. And I'm sure he didn't get well-known by saying, somebody bring me a scripture, listen to how good I read, and then give that back and leave. No, he, he, he would minister, he would heal, he would do those types of things. So as he reads that setting from Isaiah and gave the book back and went and sat down, everybody's still looking at him, thinking, okay, that was odd. Either he doesn't have anything to preach today, or he, I don't know, maybe he's tricking us, or what is this about? It just says their eyes were fixed on him. Verse 21, and he began to say to them, Okay, so he's not done. He's still going to speak from his place of sitting now after reading. He began to say to them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's? Son. So when he says to them, this day the scriptures fulfilled, he's saying the things that I just read from from Isaiah are fulfilled because he's saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm fulfilling that scripture. He has anointed me to preach. He's anointed me to heal, to set the captive free, all those things that it says. So really... Jesus didn't do anything crazy in that setting. I've heard that setting my whole life, and I just think, man, they must have been so confounded, and how awesome would that be to, to get to witness when he basically steps up and says, I'm the, I'm the guy. But what we're reading here is almost kind of anticlimactic in a sense because it's just he reads, he sits down, and he says, this day the scripture is fulfilled. And again, they wandered, and then they said, is not this Joseph's son? So this is the reason why it's important that what we're reading about takes place in Nazareth, because everybody knows Jesus' earthly dad. That's Joseph's son. And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, 
physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. So he did, he did a healing in Capernaum. And he's telling them, I, I mean, I guess if you, if you stop and see all that transpires here, some interest, it's like some uh, subcontext of what, when you read into the fact that he's having this conversation with the people in the synagogue from his position of sitting down, and he, he's saying, I know what you want. I know what you want. You want to see a miracle. You want to see me do what you heard about me doing over there. But he says, the prophet is not accepted I'm going to read you that verse 24. This is the NASB version. He said, truly, I'd say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. And then another version, truly, I say to you, no prophet is honored in his country. So what I get from that phrase is that he says to them, if I, if I did that, if I did this healing like I did over at Capernaum, you still wouldn't accept me, honor me, acknowledge me for who I am. Because this is my hometown. Most of you know the name Cooper Cup, right? Football fans in the room know the name Cooper Cup. The rest of you are like, who? Well, he's a guy. He plays football. He made it to the NFL. He's actually from our town, Yakima. Graduated, I believe, it was from Davis High School. So what we're, te- what we're talking about here, to give you just kind of a, uh, an example of this, would be he goes out there. He makes it in the NFL. He didn't get to play in the Super Bowl, but his team made it to the Super Bowl. He got hurt earlier this year, in case you were wondering how that happened. So... But imagine he, he gets to come back to Yakima, and he puts, gets to put on a football clinic, receiving clinic, because he's a wide receiver. And I've got my eight-year-old, nine-year-old son, and I'm like, Let's, boy, I'm going to take you to learn how to be an NFL receiver. You're going to pay some of my bills off. <laughs> but I said, okay, you get this guy's coming. He's awesome. He graduated. He went to school right there. He graduated from there. He went to college. He played in college and made it all the way to the professionals. So listen to what he says. If he tells you you got to sleep with the football under your head as a pillow, you just do it because he's a pro and he knows what he's talking about. Okay? No questions asked. We're just going to do what the pro says. And then he comes to town and maybe he does a little drill here or there. And then all of us dads are sitting back going, wait a second. I mean, we do that in the yard every day. Or, you know, this is, this is, you're not giving me something mind-blowing here. You know, what are the secrets? How can I get my son to replicate that? Well, that, it's because it, 
to, 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 I guess just to kind of complete this example, it's me saying that professional is not honored or acknowledged in his hometown. Okay, he's, yeah, when he gets back here, he's got to, you know, sit at the kids' table at the family reunion, <laughs> maybe. You know, and, and, he's just not the same person in his hometown as he is anywhere else. So this is what Jesus is saying. Yes, I'm a prophet. Yes, I have uh, miracle working capabilities to do all of these things. But you don't acknowledge me or you won't honor me. You won't accept me for that. Because this is my hometown. I want you to look in Isaiah at the passage where he's quoting it. Because what we're talking about here is the prophet. Jesus saying, a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. So look at Isaiah chapter 61, and we're going to read the original passage that Jesus quoted from. Because there's a little bit of extra stuff in here in Isaiah. I just want you to see it because, again, we're talking about acknowledging and honoring prophets. Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now, here when we talk about I, me, this is Isaiah talking about himself, okay? Isaiah the prophet saying, The Lord is upon me, Isaiah. And this is the things that he's wanting me to do. He's kind of just, he's kind of giving a job description in a sense. I am a prophet and here's what that means. The Lord wants me to do this. The Lord wants me to do this and so forth and so on. Verse two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, if you read all throughout Old Testament and even in the New Testament, that verse right there almost sums up what prophets did and what prophets do to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord and to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Plain and simply put, a prophet is someone who shares God's message. Now, that's really, really generalizing it because God's message could be very, very specific. It could be as specific as, Brother Lewis, we talked about you wearing purple shirts. That's pretty specific, right? But if <laughs> some of them might have actually said that, <laughs> but that's pretty specific, but that could be God's message for that situation. So there's a prophet and a situation and a message from God being shared. That's very, it gets that specific, or it could be as general as the entire nation of Israel needs to listen when I say, repent. That's not very specific, is it? It's, repent of what? Well, no, no, we're not going there. Wait, which people in it? No, we're not going there. 
The entire nation of Israel needs to repent. That could be God's message. And the person that says that is acting as a prophet. Verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he might be glorified. Flip over to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to talk about another prophet here real quick. I'm wanting us to see. I mean, we don't have time to read the entire book of Isaiah, the entire book of Jeremiah. We might get there if the Lord tarries and this year keeps going the way it is. But this is the way the prophet is used. And specifically... God's calling of a prophet. God's choosing. Okay? He, he, he chooses to speak through people. He has all throughout history. He, he will appoint somebody and say, I want you to share my word, my message. Jeremiah chapter 1, skip down to verse 4. This is Jeremiah talking. He says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Verse 6, Then said I, Jeremiah speaking, Ah, Lord God, Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Verse 7, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Everybody say, thou shalt speak. This is God appointing a prophet. And in this specific instance, he's saying, I made you a prophet before you were born. I ordained you a prophet while you were still in the womb, Jeremiah. So don't come out here and tell me you're just a kid. We don't see the age that Jeremiah is in this passage. He could have been an eight-year-old, could have been a teenager, could have been a young adult, could have... But he, he says, uh, no, 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 no. That's not me. You got the wrong guy. And, and the Lord doesn't just say, I, no, I, I think I got the right guy. The Lord says, I got you before you were born. I chose you while you were still in the womb. And I ordained you to be a prophet. You will go where I tell you to go. You will say what I tell you to say. Verse 8, be not afraid of their faces. Interesting. I love it when God gives advice, I guess you could say. Kind of a little bit of a foreshadowing. This is how God often speaks to individuals. You're going to do this. And by the way, here's what's going to happen. Here's going to be the outcome of that. Be not afraid of their faces. Why would God have to tell Jeremiah, don't be afraid of somebody's face? Because the word 
that he has for them might cause some expression on the face of that person or that group of people. So don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I want to read more, one more uh, setting here of a prophet. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3. I'm not, just, I'm not just singling out a few people that are in the Bible. God's will and desire is to speak through each of us. He wants all of us to get to the point where he can say, I've got a word, I've got a message that I want to deliver through you. Not just, I mean, we, we don't need to just be in, in, a, in a mindset of, I got to get to church so I can hear what God says. Or I need to pray. I know this has been a crazy day. I just need five minutes alone of quiet time so I can hear what God is saying. Uh, now, I'm not devaluing his voice to us for ourselves, but that's not the end of our relationship with him. That's not the end of, that's not my goal is just get to where I can always hear his voice. But I want to get to the point where he can deliver a message through me. To anyone. That's, that alone, that's kind of a scary thought. Because I'm, I'm good with, with, you know, telling my neighbor who Jesus is. But I, I don't know if I'm good with what anyone means to God. Because, just like as he told Jeremiah, you're not, you don't be afraid of their faces. You're going to say some stuff that's going to make them pretty angry at times. You're not always going to be the popular guy. You're not always going to be the popular lady. The one that everybody just always gathers around because you only say great, nice, kind things all the time. And when you're sharing the word of God, now the scripture says we speak the truth in love. But it doesn't say we speak love only. We don't just get to tell everybody, oh, it's all good and we love, I love you. No, we speak the truth in love. Ezekiel chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 4. All of Ezekiel 1 and 2 is him going into detail about how God chose him and made it clear that he was going to be a prophet. But these, these particular Verses really highlight this initial encounter that Ezekiel has with God. He said unto me, son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. It's another bit of foreshadowing here. 
God telling Ezekiel, I'm sending you to the house of Israel, to the, to the Israelites, my chosen people. You're my messenger. You're my prophet to my people. If I had sent you over to some foreign barbaric land with a hard language and a difficult speech, and you managed to, to navigate through that, and speak in such a way that they understood you, they would believe you. Because you had, you had jumped through all these hurdles and obstacles, and you know, you're here delivering the word of God to the barbarians. Yeah, that would be great, and they would believe you. But I'm sending you to my chosen people. The people that speak the same language as you. The people that understand, and they don't... They don't, they don't see it as a great challenge on your behalf that you made it there to speak to them. This is what Jesus was saying when he says a prophet is not honored in his own country. Because, no, you can't be the one, the prophet, because you didn't have to go through any hurdles or obstacles to get here to speak to me. You're, you're just like I am. I mean, you grew up down the street from me. We grew up sharing each other's sack lunches. I mean, I shared my apples with you. You shared your ham with me. You can't be a prophet. And, and again, so it's God giving Ezekiel a warning. When you speak my word to my people, well, just prepare yourself. If you had gone there, they would have listened. If you fill in the blank, that means when you go here, we're not sure they're going to listen. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee. For they will not hearken unto me. That's pretty, that, that sounds pretty bleak, to be honest with you. Pretty difficult. If I tell you, Brother Rosario, I got a, I got a group of people. They're, uh, they're a lot like you. It's a group of, you know, 20s and 30s age young men. Married, and they're, they're easy to speak to. They're easy to get along with. I want you to go share the gospel with them. But just know, when you share it, they're not going to accept it. Uh, hang on. I liked it all up until that last point. I mean, yeah, it sounds great. I get to go. I get to preach. I get to share. I get to be the messenger of God. But hang on. You're saying, when I share this, they're not going to listen to me. That's right. They're not going to listen to you. You know how I know that? Because I've been dealing with each one of them individually for their entire lives, and they have not listened to me once. That's what God's telling them, telling, telling the prophet. They won't listen to you because they won't listen to me. So, okay, so I, I just don't really need to even go then, right? Nope, you're going. Okay, maybe I can just give them the short version. Nope. You're going to say what I tell you to say. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. This is the group that you get to go speak to. Look through uh, over at Ezekiel. I think it's chapter yeah 37. Now, we're jumping through the life of Ezekiel and the, the ministry of his being a prophet. And in this passage, we get to see 
I guess you could call it a turning in a sense of this group, the Israelites that won't listen, don't listen, don't obey. Chapter 37, verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. Everybody say bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, they were very, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. This is the Spirit of God taking Ezekiel the prophet on a spiritual passage. And he said unto me, verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Remember back in chapter 3, God told Ezekiel, You're going to be my chosen group. You're going to go to the Israelites. You're going to speak my word. They're not going to listen. But Ezekiel here is now faced with not only, okay, well, at least when we were dealing with the Israelites, you know, they had a heartbeat. They had breath in their lungs and they had uh, a voice and they had the, the capabilities that I would see as, okay, they have a potential here at least. But now the Lord is taking him to a place where there is nothing but death, dry bones. The Lord says to him, tell the bones to hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and you will bring up flesh upon you and cover your, you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live. You shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as, as I prophesied, there was a noise. Behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. When I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. We got the bodies. They're not just a group of dry, a pile of bones now. They're bodies with flesh on them. What's missing is breath. So prophesy to the wind. Son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. What is this all about, Lord? Are you just trying to show me the power of the wind? I mean, yeah, I knew that. I knew the wind is your spirit and you can do whatever. You asked me at the beginning, can, I, can these bones live? And I said, you know they can live. What is this about? Verse 11, then he said unto me, son of man, these bones, 
are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. This group of people, Ezekiel, that I ordained you to go and speak to, that I also told you are not going to listen. This is the condition that they're in. Not physically a bunch of bones, but spiritually a bunch of people who are saying, I'm dead inside. I'm dry. I don't have a spirit. I don't have anything to offer. That's why when you go before them and prophesy and say, the Lord wants to do great things in you and he's going to bless you and he's going to, they're just going to, no, not me. Nope. That, this is who they are. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, oh, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. We got a, we've got a prophet who just knows his job is to say what God tells him to say. The messenger. Don't, we learn from Ezekiel. Don't judge those who you're about to prophesy to based on their reaction to you, based on their condition, their spiritual condition. Or their physical condition. You don't judge anybody in any way. You just speak what I tell you to speak. Honestly. I'll I'll just be honest with you for a minute. I like taking the easy way. When I can't take it. If it's less responsibility. Sounds good to me. If there's a microwave involved instead of an oven. No wife in the house. Sounds good to me. That's the easy way. So, so why would I choose to make this more difficult? Lord, no, you can't have me say that to that person because this is going to happen. Versus the easy way is, okay, Lord, wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to say, I'll do that. I don't have to think about this. I don't have to try to figure out if you're really speaking about that. I don't want to know their mess. I don't want to know what mess I'm getting myself into. I just trust you enough to say, I'll speak what you want me to speak. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. I want to read you that last part of verse 1 in a few different translations because this is what that's really saying. Before Samuel, who is the prophet, the first prophet to the children of Israel. 
It says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. Another translation, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. I like this one, the Bible in basic English. It says, in those days, the Lord kept his word secret from men. There was no open vision. And then we have another child come into the picture. Just like Jeremiah when he says, I chose you in the mother's womb. I ordained you before you were born. Now he's going to speak to Samuel. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through the entire passage. I want you to look at verse 7. And you know that as Samuel, it says he ministered before Eli. Eli was the priest. So Samuel was dwelling in the temple with Eli. And this, this particular night, Samuel's trying to sleep. The Lord is calling out to Samuel, but Samuel interprets that as Eli calling him. Three different times, Samuel's laying down and he hears a voice, Samuel. And he gets up and he runs to the priest. You called me, here I am. And Eli's like, I'm trying to get some sleep, boy. Just go to sleep. But he tells him the, the, the last time that this happens, I think Eli's probably starting to get enough uh, woken up to realize, okay, something is happening over there in his room where he's trying to sleep. Let me, let, let me just give you this one little bit of advice, Samuel. When you, if you and when you hear the voice again calling to you, please don't run into my room and wake me up again. I mean, these priestly duties, they start early. I got to get some sleep. When you, when you hear the voice again, just say this. Speak, Lord. Thy servant heareth. Because Eli, the priest, has enough knowledge to realize what may be happening here is the Lord could be trying to speak to this boy. Maybe it's the Lord calling out to him. If that's the case, when you hear the voice, Samuel, just say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Let me stop here for a second. Give you a, 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 about as real and practical bit of advice as I can. Uh, those of you that are parents with children. It's okay for them to be at this stage. Samuel was at this stage where he, it says he didn't know the Lord. I mean, I, I've seen YouTube videos of a two-year-old preacher that could put me to shame. <laughs> and and we, you know, we, we applaud that. We think, oh, that's great. Every child needs to be like that. Samuel, at this stage, didn't know the Lord. So in his time, at his appointed time, the Lord decided to start speaking with him and dealing with him. Whatever happened before that, I mean, we know the story of Hannah and the mother, how she dedicated his life to the service in the, in the temple. But, I mean, just don't, you don't have to be hard on your kids if they act like heathens every now and then. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not advocating any lack of discipline here, okay? But we don't look at a three-year-old and say, you are a sinner and you're, there's young years, so I'm not going to finish the rest. But we don't, we don't have to take that approach 
If we actually say, okay, what can we teach and what can we train here? Not make this about a rotten little scoundrel, but make this about a, a moment to, 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 to maybe impart some wisdom. Okay, now that's my soapbox. I'll get off that. Again, verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli. He said, Here am I, thou didst call me. Eli perceived the Lord had called the child. Verse 9, Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went down and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood and called at other, as at other times. And Sam, Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Up to this point, even though he didn't know God, as I said, his, his life was devoted to service in the temple. Okay, so he could truly say, thy servant heareth. I'll be honest with you again. I was, when, I, when the Lord was dealing with me about this and just kind of at random times since then, if I feel like the Lord is dealing with me, maybe trying to speak to me, maybe there's things going on that I need to get in tune with the Lord about, and I pray this, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. I was praying that, and as soon as I got to that word servant, I just got convicted. And I was thinking, can I truly call myself his servant? Because, yes, I want him to speak, and yes, I want to hear it. That's, that's always true all the time. But if I am also trying to say, your servant hears, I'm telling you what, he knows my heart better than anybody, better than I do. And better than anybody else. So if he, I don't want to have to say, speak, Lord, thy servant here is. And he says, hang on, we're going to deal with this servant part first. Yeah, I got a message I need you to deliver. And yes, you need to hear it loud and clear. But are you going to really sit there and call yourself my servant? We'll, we'll, we'll leave that there because we're trying to talk about being prophets here. But we, we've got to be honest with the Lord if we want to get to this stage, to this point. Speak for thy servant heareth. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. We read verse 1 of this chapter because we, we had to draw the distinction. In this day, the word of God, the prophetic word of God, it says, was rare or precious. It's not just because Samuel becomes the first prophet to Israel. Before that, I mean, the, the, the person with the most spiritual authority in the group was Eli, the priest. And just think about how badly it had to be burning in the Lord to say, I need to get this word to my people about my man, Eli, and what's happening here. But I can't do it. The word of the Lord is, there's no open vision. There's no open speaking and revelation of the word. So he deals with this boy, Samuel, 
and says, I'm starting right here with you. When you say, when you tell me to speak, when you say you're my servant and you want to hear, check, check, check. Okay, let's go. We don't have much time. Verse 13, for I have told him, Eli, that I will judge his house for every, forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli, the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel laid unto the morning this boy who just heard these things spoken about the priest, his priest, his, his boss, if you will. Lay, it doesn't say he slept. I noticed that. It doesn't say, oh, he went back and got a peaceful two more hours. No. This boy laid in bed with this word that the Lord had said, turning in his mind, turning in his spirit. Samuel lay into the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Remember, was it Jeremiah when the Lord says, don't be afraid of their faces? He didn't give Samuel that instruction. I mean, this is just a boy. So Samuel's afraid to share. Oh, the Lord spoke to me. I'm pretty sure that was him. I mean, it sounded like a lot. You know, you told me to say I listened and I listened and. Yeah, he said some stuff. Verse 16, Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. He said, what is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said to thee. Samuel told him every wit. And hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. Verse 19. And Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and did not let, and let none of his words fall to the ground. I, th- I find it very interesting. You go back to the start of Samuel's story. We know that, it, as I mentioned earlier, it starts with Hannah, his mother, and dedicating this life. But he's, he reached this point in his walk with God as a prophet. It says none of his words fell to the ground. When I read that, I got, I was, what does that mean? I got this visual of, a, of just a dead leaf falling to the ground. That leaf has fallen off the tree. You know what's going to happen when it hits the ground and stays there? It's just going to rot and, and, and die. That visual, that thing never happened to anything that Samuel said. None of his words fell to the ground. Because he became so in tune, so in line with the Lord. And I believe he remained as it was when he was a child. and said, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. He, he maintained that. He was able to stay at that level and be God's prophet for his people because of that mentality, that mindset. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba 
knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I want you to look at one more passage, Romans chapter 12. And again, as I was thinking about that phrase, and I believe so much hinges on that phrase, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. When I, I think it was a teenager, there was a song that was going through uh, the church ranks, and we were singing it at churches. And uh, one of the lines said, make me a servant. And I was sitting here thinking about this, and that phrase was just kind of stirring in me. What? Because here, here's the problem, and I'll just be honest with you again. I want the Lord to do my job. I told you earlier, I'm not, no, nothing hidden now. I told you earlier, I like to take the easy way when I can. I want the Lord to make me a servant. But as I think about that, okay, a servant doesn't have to go and say, reporting for duty. Uh, I'm here to be told what to do. Make me a servant. I'm going to read you what I wrote about that. It doesn't make sense to tell someone to order you around. It doesn't make sense to tell someone. It doesn't make sense to tell the Lord to order me around. I'm just going to be here doing nothing. I'm just going to be here waiting not going about anything particular. And when you need something done, just slap me up the backside of the head and, and tell me what to do. No. The, the more realistic way is to start serving. The proof that you're a good servant is in your actions. It's not in your words. I mean, I'm 33. I've been in church a long time. I've been praying and telling God for a long time. I want to do. Make me this. Help me do that. And if I'm honest, where's my action in that? That's just a bunch of words. Proof that I'm a servant is not me getting up and telling you all that I'm a servant. Proof that I'm a servant is when we leave here, I'm going to go start serving. I'm going to go look for something to do. Jesus we're talking about children a lot today. Jesus, at 12 years old, when he was left behind, remember, during that um, traveling phase, and he's left in the synagogue, and they go and find him. His response was, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? How did, he says, how is it that you sought me? I mean, they, the frantic parents, Jesus, we've been looking for you everywhere. What do you mean you've been looking for me everywhere? You know me. I don't go hang out under the tree. <laughs> I'm not skipping rocks at the pond. I must be 12 years old. 12 years old. I must be about my father's business. 
Literally, that translated means, I must be in my father's service. So just as Eli told Samuel, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Jesus, the boy, had that same knowledge, that same mentality. I must be about my father's service. Why don't you stand with me? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is Paul speaking to the Romans. He says, Paul, a servant, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. When I think about make me a servant and and how, you know, is that really my prayer that I want the Lord to just start forcing me into hard labor? That's not my prayer, if I'm honest. But what Paul is saying here is present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is the type of servant you need to make yourself. You need to become. So that as we know and we've talked about today, the value and the power of the word of God and being able to share the message of God. But as it starts with saying, I'm your servant, and I'm going to hear. I'm listening for what to deliver, where to go, how to speak, what to say. I'm starting by presenting myself a living sacrifice. Amen. I'm going to open this altar right now. I'm going to give us all a time to pray. I believe that the Lord wants to use us. I know that he does. He wants to speak to us. But it's got to be my will. It's got to be my desire to line up with his. And say, yes, I want to speak. Yes, I want to be about your business, about your service. Speak because I'm your servant and I'm listening. This is what today is about. Giving us an opportunity to align our will with his. Why don't we pray? In the name of Jesus.
before we dismiss, why don't we just pray? Lord, let your word abide in us. Let your words abide in us, O God. Put your word inside of me, Lord. Let it rest and abide in my spirit. Lord, let it be in our mouths. I pray, Jesus, as we speak, God, that as your word says, we would speak as the oracles of God. God, that we would share your wisdom, that we would share your knowledge, Jesus, that we would share your love and your truth. In the name of Jesus, God, it's our desire to be used by you. It's our desire to speak your word. Jesus, I pray right now, help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I think I would be remiss if I didn't take this chance to remind you the power of your words. The things that we speak. I want everything that comes out of my mouth to be something that is true of God. Ordained of God. And we, that doesn't mean we have to walk around quoting scripture. But I think it means I need to be thoughtful about what I'm saying all the time. I don't want to be speaking things that aren't from him. Definitely. Scripture talks about idle words. Actually says we'll be judged for every idle word Jesus I pray give me wisdom to speak as you would speak Lord I want your words to reside in my mouth and in my heart Jesus I want your truth to prevail in my speaking in my language Lord God the words that I say God when I'm speaking to my family when I'm speaking to my co-workers Jesus, when I'm speaking to strangers, whatever it is, when I'm speaking to my brothers and sisters in Christ, every word that I say, God, I pray let it be ordained and judged of you correctly, Jesus. God, in your name, in this way I present myself. In this way I make myself available. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Remember our soup. Sunday downstairs, you can greet one another. You can fellowship downstairs as well. Amen.